0: Are Miracles Relevant? Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And Chris, you're going to notice that when I asked, are miracles relevant, I didn't ask if miracles are real. I know there's a debate about the reality of miracles, but a lot of people want to write off any discussion about the matter by saying, well, it doesn't matter because miracles aren't even relevant. But does it matter? I think it does, and that's what we want to talk about today: the relevance of miracles.
1: So we are in the second week of a study that we have entitled "Confident in the Face of Hard Questions." So we're it, this is a this is a study that deals with the issue of apologetics of talking about some of the these kind of things like miracles that uh, give where we have the opportunity to speak into uh, these topics that uh, are important for believers to have a handle on, and so I'm glad we're talking about miracles to date.
0: And so when we were developing this study that we knew we wanted to do apologetics things, I knew one name that I wanted to bring in to be a writer for this, and thankfully he was free, and that is Dr. Freddie Davis. Freddie's with us for this podcast, and uh, Dr. Davis, thank you for taking the time to podcast with us.
2: Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you guys.
0: Now, Freddie uh, also oversees a ministry called Market Faith Ministries. And so, Freddie, I'd love for you to take a moment, just tell us about this ministry that you have.
2: Sure. Uh, Market Faith Ministries is a worldview discipleship ministry, and we obviously write and speak on the topic of worldview, which is, uh, I guess, sort of a uh, an area of apologetics, but it's really much broader than that. Uh, actually, my background for for this particular topic uh, came from my uh, background as a missionary. My wife and I were missionaries uh, with the IMB for uh, nearly 17 years, and we served in Japan for nearly 12 years. And then after the Iron Curtain fell, we ended up transferring to Latvia, and we were there for five years. And one of the things that is a missionary skill, obviously, is that when you go into a place where uh, Christianity is not prominent or prevalent or even known. Uh, one of the things that you have to do is you have to learn how to uh, communicate a Christian message across a worldview barrier into uh, a way of thinking that uh, is not even related necessarily to uh, anything that's close to Christianity, and so it. The worldview skills are kind of missionary skills traditionally. And so we, we had to learn how to do that uh, in uh, a Far Eastern country. And then I uh, had to, uh, after we transferred, had to, to be able to do that uh, into a society that had been dominated by a naturalistic worldview, uh, Soviet communism. Uh, and so it, it kind of became second nature to me. And so when we came back to the States, uh, one of the things that just sort of slapped me in the face was how radically American society had changed. Uh, it, it, was, it really came as kind of a surprise to me. It's one thing to come back home for a furlough and, you know, you've still got your head back in where you're living and it's just sort of a, a meet and greet kind of thing. But when you actually come back to, to live and you have to get your head back in society, uh, that was, that was uh, quite a shock to me. And it didn't take me very long to figure out uh, exactly what was going on and uh, and what has happened is the the underlying worldview foundation of American society had shifted from being uh, what it was traditionally you know since our founding pretty much uh, as a uh, a biblical worldview foundation a judeo-christian worldview foundation to a naturalistic worldview foundation and as I interacted with uh Various Christians and churches and all. One of the things that that really, again, slapped me in the face was how confused so many Christians were. Uh, It was one thing for me to be out of it for so long and then to come into it, back into it, and and just see the 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 radical change. But for everybody that had that kind of lived through that. Uh, it's kind of, you know, the frog in the boiling water kind of scenario. You, you realize something's not right. You realize that uh, that there's issues, but really discerning what it is and knowing what to do about it uh, seem to be very difficult for a lot of people. And the thing that makes it even more difficult is that Literally, a worldview is a way of understanding reality. Uh, The word, you know, a lot of times seems to kind of self define, you know, when you see the word worldview, you know, the way you view the world, but it's so much more than that. Uh, It's really how you understand the way reality is structured. And so, if somebody is saying something or expressing a belief that uh, is from a different worldview from what you are, then you're not just thinking okay they're thinking differently you're thinking okay they're saying stuff that's just crazy it doesn't even it's not even real the thing is they're saying they're thinking the same thing back at you and so that's the barrier that we have to cross and since america has changed so radically with its worldview foundation uh it's not just missionaries now that need to going overseas that need to be able to understand these worldview concepts uh Uh, Everyday Christians need to be able to do it because uh, it's not unusual at all to go and um, out and meet your friends and neighbors and people out in the marketplace that are an atheist or a Buddhist or just whatever. And so as Christians, we need to to know not just how to share the gospel message, uh, because that begins at an understanding of of a biblical worldview. you say if you start talking about God and they don't understand uh, who God is or which God you're talking about, or uh, or even if they don't believe in God, uh, you've got another barrier to cross before the gospel message will even make sense to them. So, so uh, my ministry partner and I, Tal Davis, uh, and I uh, uh, have been doing this ministry where we do a lot of writing and speaking for churches, on this topic to, to, to equip believers in how to um, express the gospel across worldview barriers. And so that's pretty much what uh, Market Faith Ministries is all about.
1: Uh, Francis Schaeffer was one of the early persons that talked about worldview. And I remember uh, 25, 30 years ago, Charles Colson was writing a lot about worldviews and he um, It's kind of it seems like it just kind of cycles around, but it's 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 not you're you're, what you're saying is this is the reality that we live in. And this is a part of some a a lot of the confusion that believers experience when they try to engage with people from a different worldview.
2: Exactly. And one of the things that um, that, you know, I see a lot out in uh, among the Christian community is that there is, you know, a certain kind of emphasis on worldview, but the emphasis is almost exclusively on a Christian worldview. And so as a ministry, we kind of expand that out to to give the big picture and show where the biblical worldview fits within the big picture so that we can, you know, really understand where everybody's coming from and makes it easier to be able to figure out how to cross those barriers.
0: And that, of course, gets to the heart of this whole study, Confident in the Face of Hard Questions, looking at the way of helping us to articulate our biblical worldview uh, in light of some of these questions that the world might throw at us. Now, as uh, Freddie does talk about worldviews, let me just talk to you if you're a leader of a group, you will find in your leader guide a QR code this is something we're including that's new in our followers, the resources. But if you'll click on that QR code, uh, Freddie takes just a few moments. And in this context of talking about miracles, he helps us understand how different worldviews view the concept of miracles. Uh, it's very insightful what he shares there. But we are talking about miracles. And the question is, are miracles relevant? And this is the point we want to hit on. And this is that miracles are acts of God. That point to Jesus and glorify Him. We're going to be in the Gospel of John for this study. We're going to begin in John chapter 10, uh, an encounter Jesus has at the Feast, uh, the Festival of Dedication. Before I read this passage, Chris, can you bring us up to speed uh, about the Feast of Dedication? It's Hanukkah.
1: It is the uh, the Jewish celebration of Hanukkah. And for those of us as believers, uh, we we don't always make these connections. Uh, but Hanukkah is essentially, uh, was established to commemorate the purification and the rededication of the temple by Judas of Maccabee in 165 BC. So, uh, there was a, there was a time under, um, after the Greek Empire divided, Antiochus Epiphanes IV uh, came into Jerusalem and desecrated the temple. He was a wicked person, and um, he sacrificed swine on the altar. Uh, he, he 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 used uh, uh, religious uh, artifacts in ways that were uh, contrary to uh, God's purposes. So it created uh, this Maccabean revolt led by this this. Uh, prominent family, we know that from Josephus and from uh, the Apocrypha of, of all things. Uh, uh, if if you pick up a Bible that includes the Apocrypha, or if you just get a copy of it in First uh, Maccabees, it tells the story of this rebellion. And um, uh, three years after um, Antiochus Epiphanes, they rebel and they're victorious and um so they are this is a celebration of of the rededication of the temple uh it is marked by illumination of buildings that's why you have the menorah it's the whole feast of lights um this is not one of the three great festival but it was very popular and many jews returned to jerusalem to celebrate uh the feast of dedication
0: and so that's where we pick up in john 10 verse 22 Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's Colony. The Jews surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. Jesus is making the point here. The miracles, his miracles, point to the fact that he is God's chosen Messiah.
1: Previous to what we have just read, uh, Jesus in John chapter ten has has talked about himself as the good shepherd. That uh, his he makes the point that his his sheep hear his voice, and he uh, that that's an, an analogy for people of that period who would understand that a shepherd. Uh, connected with his sheep, they recognized his voice and followed his commands because they were with him all the time. They knew his voice. And Jesus uh, just has already set up what we're talking about now in his teaching earlier in John 10 to say, um my I'm the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice, they follow me. And now you don't hear me. You don't listen because you're not my sheep. So that that's a part of what's going on in the context of this passage.
0: Well, gentlemen, let me ask you a question here. What is it that we learn about Jesus when we look at his miracles?
2: One of the thing, I mean, obviously, the thing that, uh, that jumps out front and center is the fact that, that Jesus is God, or, uh, or at the very least, you know, for people that, uh, that are not uh, Christian believers, uh, he's somehow connected to God. Uh, because he was able to do things that were Supernatural
1: for, uh, f- and for for all for a long time uh there have been those who resist the faith and resist Christianity because of Miracles uh, you know I I used to hear about the uh Thomas uh Jefferson Bible and I thought that I'm not sure that that's real but uh in my lifetime I have actually come across and purchased one and what Jefferson did that was, uh, aligned with the people of of his time, uh, he he took, he just cut out the miracles, and he he focused on the teachings of Jesus. But if uh, any time that the New Testament talked about a miracle, he just he just lopped that out, cut it out because he didn't he didn't think those stories were true.
2: And that particular approach to theology is actually very common in uh, what we tend to think of as liberal churches, uh, churches that are um, uh, of a a theologically liberal persuasion that's essentially their belief that um uh that you know the the so, the the social aspects of what's uh what's written in scripture is really what it's all about and that uh that the 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 teachings about miracles or anything miraculous anything supernatural is really not true and so uh, it's it seems it seems crazy to us as evangelicals to think that there are actually churches, but there are whole denominations that uh, that follow that particular point of view. Right now, there's a a denomination uh, that's splitting. I mean, it's happened a number of times over the last few years, but there's one uh, that's occurring right now, and essentially that is the uh, even though the social issues that seem to be uh, the the main uh, focus of it, actually underlying that is the fact that they don't believe that what is in Scripture is actually literally true.
0: Right, and that's the whole point of us why we wanted to have this particular study, to talk about the, not just the reality, but the relevance of Jesus' miracles, because those people that say, well, uh, it doesn't matter whether you believe the miracles or not. That's not the main, miracles are not the main thing. But the miracles, I do believe, I- I'm convinced, are critical because they do they point to the main thing, which is that Jesus is God.
2: Well, and and of course the um the the whole the whole underlying you know concept of worldview uh, comes really before. The, the beliefs that emerge out of a worldview. And so if you start with the belief uh, with a with a that has a naturalistic bent, whether they call themselves Christians or not, uh, they they don't believe that uh, that that God exists the way that he, that it's taught in, in scripture, uh, when when you begin with the belief that uh, that there is no supernatural or that God does not intervene or interact, uh, in the world, then what choice is there but to believe that uh, the things that are written about uh, as miracles in, in the Bible are are not true? Uh, of course, the people of that persuasion tend to believe that their beliefs are based on science and that uh, it's more objective. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is every worldview no matter what it is, even people that claim to be atheists, it's based on faith—faith uh, faith in the the presuppositions of their belief. And the thing with uh, uh, with those particular uh, uh, foundations, uh, the particularly the naturalistic foundation, uh, really have nothing to that they can point to to say, "Okay, this is why our naturalistic belief is true." It's, they don't have that. It's basically. Uh, this is true because this is what I believe.
0: Let's continue this conversation by looking at a conversation Jesus had with one of his disciples, Philip. We're going to move to John chapter 14, and this is now, it's the Last Supper discourse. Uh, This is hours before Jesus' arrest, and his trial, and ultimately his crucifixion. But in that that upper room discourse, uh, Jesus has this conversation. And it begins in verse 8, Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. But Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time, and you don't know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Here Jesus is saying the miracles. He's saying in his own words that the miracles point to his relationship to the Father, point to his divinity.
1: So before Philip asked this question, Thomas has asked the question uh, in that upper room discourse. Jesus had said, you know, that he is... Uh, that you can know God and, um, that he's the way to God. And, uh, that famous verse from John 14, six, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So that's the introduction of this whole conversation about the father It's Jesus saying the only way to God, the only way to the father is through me.
0: And so he okay. said, okay, Phillips. Okay. Well, great. Show us the father. And Jesus is really trying to stress, look, it says you're kind of, you're looking at him. you're If you see me, you've seen the Father. If anything, look at look at the miracles, look at what I've done, and that ought to point to that I and the Father are, are one. Yet, we've also seen in the if you look at the Gospels, there's people who reject Jesus. So what are some of those obstacles uh, not just of the Pharisees, but even today, what are some obstacles that prevent people from accepting the truth of who Jesus is?
2: You know, that's a, probably a, a very interesting thing to to ponder because, uh, again, you know, we're getting back to worldview beliefs. And I mentioned earlier that uh, a worldview is a way that people understand how reality is structured. And so when they hear something that Goes against the way that they believe reality is structured. It just literally does not even make any sense to them. It's like, like somebody speaking gibberish, and uh, so it just goes straight over their head. And so even if you know profound evidence is given, if it if it appears or it comes across to the person that's hearing it as something that is not possible, then they just. They just reject it, and they reject it because they they basically don't even hear it. Uh, they, they can't they can't process it because it doesn't fit in with what they understand to be real. And so when um, uh, uh, when back in Jesus's time, obviously the uh, the the people that were rejecting Jesus, uh, they they saw the miracles, but at the same time they were familiar with other people who you know, magicians and people that did, you know, fancy tricks and stuff like that. and they were probably thinking, okay, Jesus is just one of those guys. Uh, in our day, uh, w- when we've got uh, an entirely different worldview foundation, uh, the the thought process, like particularly with naturalists, uh, they are they're thinking, okay, uh, this is actually not even possible. So there's got to be another explanation. And so they they just don't even process it that way. If it's somebody from, um, for instance, um, uh, an animistic worldview where they believe that there are many gods and spirits you know, out in nature, uh, they might look at that and say, well, okay, Jesus was one of those guys, but he's just one of many. And so people process them different ways, but until... God does a work in their life, and they have an actual conversion experience so that so that uh, the biblical concepts actually make sense to their spirit, uh, they're going to reject it. And so that's, that's kind of what we run up uh, against, and that's what was happening in, in those uh, early days, uh, you know, with Jesus himself, uh, even though Philip uh, had seen the um, Jesus do the miracles, uh it's pretty clear, you know, not just Philip, but, you know, the other disciples, too, were really struggling with uh, with, with how to process everything Jesus was saying. He still didn't fit into uh, their understanding of what was supposed to happen. You know, the Messiah was supposed to be a, a political military leader, and Jesus wasn't fitting that. And so it just kind of was they didn't know how to process it. And so this is where Philip was. He said, you know, show it to us. And, uh, and ultimately, God had to do a work in their lives and create a transformation uh, once they came to the place where they were willing to open their hearts up and, and accept something that didn't fit with their previous way of thinking.
1: So when we talk about this, um, one of the things it it just hit me as as you were talking, Freddie. One of the things that we deal with in the church today is that people who sit in our in our congregations are like Philip, and they're hearing Jesus. we, we say things like Jesus and the Father are one, and they're going, I have no idea what he's talking about. They they don't seem to be able to connect those dots. So it's not just people in the world; it's the people in our pews, in our churches, in the pew where we're where we're talking, right?
2: Oh, absolutely! Um, uh, you know, obviously, the the very concept of the Trinity is is something that um, that does not process in a natural environment. Uh, that's an eternal uh, an eternal situation that uh, that literally does not does just does not fit at all within a natural universe and so if people are uh indoctrinated with uh you know naturalistic beliefs even though they may uh be christians they may claim to be christians uh if if they haven't really come to the place where they've been willing to uh uh, allow god to be god and uh a person who exists beyond the the, uh, the the limitations of the natural universe, then you know they they have could very well have a, a difficult time processing it, and uh, and and of course uh, I think another thing that comes into play too is that uh, so many times people are uh, are focused on the the things. Or, or focused on things on issues that are not the essence, the essentials of our Christian faith. A lot of people focus on such things as uh, eschatology or the right method of baptism. You know, these these more temporal kinds of things, or things that uh, that is not you know is a hundred percent clear. And so, it's easier to focus on that than actually being in a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ and understanding all the implications of that. And so uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for, uh, for you know, what you were just saying, Chris, and uh, and but it's absolutely true. That is an issue that exists in a lot of churches and a lot of Christians.
0: Well, when you look at the Gospels as we read these and we see the miracles that Jesus did, to me, they very clearly point to This is just not just another prophet, uh, special teacher. It points to Jesus is God. And that's what he wanted. Jesus was trying to get across to Philip in this passage. But what Jesus is about to say, I had to just kind of blow their minds because it still amazes me what the very next thing he says in verse 12, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do that's pretty amazing by itself. But then he says, and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. See, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus continues to work, and he works through us for his glory.
1: I really think that these words are significant for the church and for believers um in just a, in the following verses jesus is going to introduce uh the coming of the holy spirit the comforter who will come and i, I think all of this ties together uh jesus is telling his disciples listen uh, i'm doing the works of of the father um, but you're going to do these works as well, and even greater works than these. That happens because of the work and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, by us aligning our lives with God and, and being uh, connected to God and doing the will of the Father. Uh, all of these things are a part of that.
2: Well, you know, it's um, it's one of those kinds of things that, um, that sometimes I think plays out in ways that are different from... From the way we expect that they're gonna be. Uh, I, I don't have any doubt whatsoever in my mind. In fact, you know, you hear stories uh from like uh how how many people are becoming Christians in a place like Iran, where God is is working in ways that that we probably don't see too much uh here in America. Uh, but at the same time, we have to to realize, you know, that that God has a a plan of what he's trying to do in the world, and God is going to accomplish that plan, and he's going to use people to do that. And a lot of times, the way that God uses us and does that uh, may not seem like it's as dramatic as what these verses are saying, but it is. Uh, When God is doing his work, and he's changing people's lives, and he's accomplishing Uh, the purpose that, that he has set out uh, to bring the world to himself. uh, There's no greater miracle in existence than, than that. Uh, You know, I I remember back when, um, when I was uh, in college and, you know, shortly thereafter, it was the time of the Jesus movement. And, uh, and, a lot of the people that I was around, and, and the, the the situations that I was around, you know, God was doing some some very uh, amazing things, uh, bringing people to Christ, even very, uh, even a lot of people that you you wouldn't uh, think would even be considering Christianity. Uh, but and and God was doing a real kind of dramatic work in my own life. But at the same time, it didn't seem like, okay, I, was, I wasn't like going out and performing miracles, healing people and, and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, you, I look back on it now and see the massive amount of uh, work that God did during that time. And you see how many people came to know the Lord and how, uh, how many people, you know, entered into Christian ministry, you know, from God's calling and you look back on it now and it was nothing nothing short of a of a miracle it was nothing short of uh just a massive revival work of god even though um uh, even though it didn't maybe outwardly look the way that we might envision it looking and i think the same things happening today in a lot of places uh you know that um uh, that asbury revival that uh, that went on uh up in in that uh uh, that college, and then the people that left there and have gone all over. And you hear, if you listen to, you know, Christian uh, circles a little bit, you, 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 can, you can see where God is still doing a work all over the country because of that one thing. Uh, but if you're, if you're not um, uh, listening to those kinds of uh, media or the places where that's being talked about, You might not even know it's going on, but but it is, and it's a it's a miraculous thing that that uh is is amazing.
0: There is no greater miracle than that of a life that's been transformed by Jesus Christ. And that's a miracle that still happens today.
1: I love that passage, and I love that Jesus tells us if we ask. Uh, in his name if if we are aligning our lives with him if we're asking according to to his will and his purpose uh that opens the door um uh for god to work in mighty ways and so the power of prayer is that we we ask in jesus name we ask according to his will according to his purpose um if it's about him being glorified and people's lives being changed for the glory of god um God's saying, "Yes, I'm going. I'm I'm all in um, on answering those kind
2: of prayers." Yeah, and I think that's a, a real key concept too. And I'm I'm glad to hear you know you bring that up uh, myself. That uh, God's not going to just do stuff because we want it done. He's He's got something that He's trying to do, and that's where when our lives align with Him, that uh, things really happen.
0: Miracles are acts of God that point to Jesus. And glorify him. Gentlemen, thank you for another good conversation around this study.
1: It's great to have had this conversation. We appreciate those of you who are listening to your podcast. Uh, we realize we're dealing with some weighty, heavy kind of things here. And so we're delighted that you're listening. We hope this is helpful to you. Uh, Freddie will be back with us in a few weeks. So, Freddie, we'll look forward to you uh, being with us as we talk more ab- about uh, being confident in the face of hard questions.
2: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: And we hope all of you have a great Bible study this week.